Thank you, Pastor Todd. Uh, welcome, everybody. We're glad you're here. Uh, thanks for coming to Wyoming Valley Church. And it's my, it is my great privilege to, uh, to be here to minister this morning. Um, one, uh, honestly, Peggy and I would say from the bottom of our hearts, one of the greatest thrills of our life is to be able to serve alongside of our kids. That's, that's a great thing. And we're, I'm very, very thankful. Thankful to you for uh, your ministry and Todd and Janine's life and the children. And we're very, very thankful. And thank you for your ministry in our lives as well, to be a part of the church. And, and I'm thankful that Christy could be here today. So two of my children are here. So the, uh, you have a few generations of walkers here today, actually. And uh, I, I appreciate your prayers for uh, us, Peggy and I, or Peggy and Christy, actually, and then me are traveling this week. They are, we are traveling in different directions. Uh, Peggy and I found out that's good for our marriage to travel. I'm, I'm just kidding about that. But uh, Peggy and Christy on Tuesday morning are headed toward New England uh, for a little bit, a little trip, a little ministry trip and so on. And then also Tuesday morning, uh, I am leaving to drive to Iowa. Uh, my, our, our son Travis is a youth pastor in Ankeny, Iowa, which is right north of Des Moines. And uh, I'll be ministering uh, with him, uh, doing some youth worker training with him and his church and his team as they're getting started uh, in their church, it's called First Family Church in Ankeny, and then preaching in their uh, uh, morning services next Sunday. So I appreciate your prayers for travel, and then also as I drive back and forth and so on. But I get to see my my other grandchildren in Iowa, so I'm pretty excited about that as well. And so this would be a highlight week for me personally to be able to do that. And but I appreciate your prayers and. Uh, uh, again, thank you for that privilege to serve alongside of, in my family. This is, a, this is a special day for me. If you have your Bibles, uh, please turn with me to the passage that's on the PowerPoint slide on the TV, and that is Colossians uh, chapter 3, verses 18 through chapter 4, verse 1. That is our text this morning. We're going to look at that. Um, we have been, Pastor Todd has been leading us in this series on the book of Colossians. Um, this is not all that fancy. It really is not. But but if, as you st- if we studied Philipp- or Colossians together, the basic theme of this book is the supremacy of Christ, right? That's the theme of Colossians. And, and it's interesting to me that theologically, uh, Colossians presents that Jesus Christ is God. God. God of the universe. The, the maker. The creator. God. And then Jesus Christ is also Lord, which means that he is in control. Now, there's also an interesting um, dichotomy or change in, in often in how Paul writes, and that is often if you were to read through the epistles or the books of the Apostle Paul in Scripture, the first part of the books, he, he does this as a writer's technique, right? He writes very theologically, and then he switches, and he writes very practically, very life-related. And we're in that section now. Pastor Todd last week talked about uh, the, the paragraph, if you will, right before this text that's on the screen. And he talked about, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. He talked about the peace of God that, that, that can flood our hearts and can umpire our decisions and all of those things. And so this is a very practical section. And so we're going to start reading in verse 18. And I think right away, you'll notice some things. Like I'm looking around and uh, guys, 
we need to realize, guys, we need to realize that we're probably outnumbered here today because the first verse that we're going to read is often a little bit controversial. Wives, submit. But don't just stop there, folks. Don't stop there. In fact, the first several verses in this, chat, in, in this section are a list of people or a list of relationships, if you will. And so we're going to end up talking about that, how that fits in with the supremacy of Christ as Lord of our lives and how we can respond to that. So um, let me read the passage. Colossians 3, I'm going to start reading at verse 18 and read down through chapter 4, verse 1, because chapter 4, verse 1 actually fits into this paragraph. And some of you have Bibles that probably does that in the, in the printing of the Bible as well. But I, that's the passage I'm going to read. Let me read it out loud for you. Colossians 3, verse 18, down through chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men-pleasers would do that, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does, but he who does wrong will re, be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. And then chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. That's our text. Let me pray, and then we'll look at our Bible study together. Father, I, I thank you for your word. In a lot of ways, this, this paragraph, this, this portion in Colossians is familiar. And we get that. It has some incredibly practical instructions that uh, deal with a lot of uh, specific areas, relationships, and other things in our lives. But God, I just pray that by your Holy Spirit that you would give us a fresh view of this, of how it relates to our lives, how it can apply to our lives. And, and God, I just pray that, that in my heart, and in our hearts, we would be open and receptive to what you have for us. Father, again, I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Um, I have entitled, if you will, Practical Instructions for a Life of Serving Christ. I don't know um, if you're good at keeping instructions or not, or following instructions. Um, I am driving this week, so I probably have this in my mind but my personality is that I'm the kind of guy that I think that I'm right, not the GPS lady. <laughs> I think I know better. And, uh, yeah, we, I mean, it, it often she does her best to try to divert me around traffic or the best way. And my personality is, no, you know, I know you have this down, and I know you're in a, in, in a satellite, the lady, right? She's in a satellite, actually, somewhere. She's not really in my car. I remember the first time I, was, I actually ever had a GPS, I was on this trip and I got, because of my personality, I got totally mixed up and actually talked to a police officer about, I, I did finally stop and ask directions. And right then the lady in the box, the GPS lady comes on and goes, recalculating, 
So I said to this cop on this trip, it's like everywhere I go, women yell at me, and uh, including the GPS lady, but uh, instructions. I remember, my children will probably remember the story. We were living in Michigan at the time, and uh, my dad and mom came out to visit us, and we had uh, this little house. It had a, it had a um, screen, or I mean, a, uh, a fenced-in backyard, and my dad actually retired from Sears. And so one morning, my dad and mom got up, and they said, come on, let's get in the car. And so our kids were little. That was way before car seat time. I'm sure we just shoved them in the back, you know, fend for yourself, kids. And uh, we went to Sears, where my dad said, Mel and Peggy, you could pick out a, um, a swing set for your kids. Just pick it out. We're going to buy it for you, a swing set. Remember that? And I had never thought about a swing set. In my mind, I'm thinking, okay, a swing set, you know, there they are, you know, they got, the, they got the braces, they got the pole that goes across, they got the swings, they got the slide. I'm thinking in my mind, yeah, maybe that could fit on top of my car. You know, maybe I'll drive down the road and the swing set thing will be up there and, you know, Peggy's on one side, or my dad, he's on one side. You know, he can hold it out with one hand and I'm, I'm driving and, yeah, I can drive. And I'm thinking in my mind, and so we, this is the swing set we bought. And so they take us in the back of Sears. Remember those days when Sears was booming? They take us in the back, and I figured, I really did, I guess. I figured guys would come out with a swing set. And they came out with a box. And it was like this big. I mean, it was just this box. And I'm like, okay, and it actually fit in my trunk. And so we drove home, and we got that. We parked in the, gar- we parked in the driveway, and I took the box, which was incredibly light, and it wasn't put together or whatever, and I just put it over the fence into our backyard, and my dad said to me, Mel, do you need any help putting it together? And I'm kind of looking at my dad thinking, why didn't he put it together? But he sa- and so he went in the house, and probably what I would do to this day, I, and played with the grandkids, uh, while I put this swing set together. So I did probably what a lot of you would do, I took this box and I dumped it, I, I slit the, the edge of the box and I dumped it all there in the grass and here's all these parts. And I'm thinking, in my mind, I know what a swing set looks like. It has the brackets on the side, has the pole that goes over, it has the swing, and there's all this stuff. And so I put it together and realized uh, as soon as I got it together, it looked like a swing set, but I, I was really thankful to Sears because they gave me a lot of extra parts. And I was really thankful that they did. And right then, my dad, this I'm not kidding you about this part of the story. I'm not. This is dead serious. My dad opened the back door, and I'm right there putting this swing set together. Okay? And he opened the door, and he said, Mel, how's it going? And as he talked about, and the swing set is there. It looked like a swing set. It said, it, except it had all these extra parts, which I'm thinking, thank you, Sears. I, I am. And, and as he came out to talk to me, he let the back screen door slam and literally at that moment my swing set went like this and my dad said this he said Mel did you read the instructions and at that moment I couldn't even remember if there were instructions or not and my dad goes over to this cardboard box all the parts are there on my grass you know all the part he reaches up in there and up in that box was this little plastic baggy thing that he had to tear open, and it was all these instructions like in 45 different language, but step number one was, you idiot, read the directions. 
was basically that. And I'm, I'm, I'm dead serious about the story. Read the instructions. That is what this passage literally is all about. That God wants us to read the instructions. He has given us instructions. Now again, please don't forget that Colossians, the supremacy of Christ, he has already written that Jesus Christ is God. Mel's paraphrase about the beginning of Colossians. He has already talked to us that Jesus Christ is also Lord. He is in control. He is in charge. And he is at the place now where what is our response to that? Our response to that basically is this one phrase that is found in that paragraph that I read down in verse 24 at the end of that where I actually have that underlined and circled in my Bible where Paul is basically emphasizing this. Because Jesus Christ is God, because Jesus Christ is Lord, then your responsibility is to serve him. That's the Yes, it's okay, I'll serve him. And that's our responsibility. And so it's in that sense that he gives us these instructions then about living for Christ in our day-to-day lives. And that's what I want to talk with you this morning. So really there's three principles that I want to suggest to you that are embedded into this paragraph. And before I start, give you the principles. There's number one. I apologize. There is no bulletin today. Well, there is. Uh, but they're at my house in my, on my desk. Uh, that's where they are. Actually, uh, Todd and I were here in the office on Friday, and we made sure we printed the bulletins. He, uh, you know, he and I worked on them together because it's my notes and the announcements for the church and so on. And then we were, today's bulletin, I just want you to know, uh, they looked really nice, by the way. Uh, they really did. And uh, uh, yeah, we printed them. They looked really nice. And I was going to take them home because they're just one half of a sheet of paper. And I have a paper cutter at my house. And so I'm thinking, I'm just going to take them home and cut them with a paper cutter. And um, uh, didn't. And uh, that's where they are. And so uh, uh, is that what you're going to put on the website, the notes? So you will have the website at some point, at the notes. But anyway, I'm going to share with you three principles. And then in the middle of that, we'll talk about the relationship part of it. And so I got, I got a ton of slides. You'll be okay. But uh, I, I do not have the, uh, the notes for you this morning. But I want to share with you the three principles that are embedded in this paragraph about us serving the Lord. And here's, here it is. Here's number one. Human relationships are to be a reflection of our relationship with the Lord. Human relationships. Now, again, we look at this passage, and we're going to look at a lot of different rela- human relationships. Wives, husbands, fathers, servants, masters. We're going to look at a bunch of different relations, all, all of those things. And it's easy, folks, it is. It's really easy to get hung up on the one that... Uh, puts the most pressure on us. It's easy to get hung up there. It really is. I don't want you to get hung up on one relationship. Remember that this passage, the focus of this passage is on Christ. And I I, want to show you that here in just a moment. So we're going to talk about wives. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk about husbands. Yeah, we are. We're going to talk about children. And, 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 you know, if you're a parent, you're saying, amen, kids, you need this or whatever. Or if you're a wife, you're saying, yeah, my husband needs that. Or if you're a husband, yeah, it's easy to do that. But I want you to notice as we go through there that all of this list is in a context where Paul is talking about our relationship to Jesus Christ and how it affects every area of our lives. 
So principle number one is this. Human relationships are to be a reflection of our relationship to the Lord. Now, I want you to notice something. I already talked with you about this morning about one of Paul's writing techniques, if you will. Often, not, not always, but often, if you read what the Apostle Paul, by the inspiration of God, wrote in Scripture... A lot of his epistles begin very theological and then turn very practical. There is something else that Paul does a lot by inspiration of God, and also a lot of the psalmists did as well, but that is mention the same thing over and over again. He does that intentionally. That is on purpose. Folks, a lot of you know me well enough to know that I... I'm a writer. I understand. I'm, I'm, I'm a speaker. I get that. If I say something over and over again, or if I write something over and over again, it's probably because of emphasis. So I want you to notice one thing that in this paragraph that I read to you is mentioned over and over and over again is the Lord or God or Master with a capital M. All of those things are there. Look at verse 18, look at verse 20, look at verse 22, look at verse 23, look at verse 24, look at verse 1 of chapter 4. All of those things are talking about God. So I think it's important for us to understand principle number one is this. Human relationships are meant to be a reflection, and, and this is going to build on each other, be a reflection of our relationship to Jesus Christ. And that makes this passage incredibly practical. Now, by the magic of Microsoft and PowerPoint, here's the list of human relationships that Paul talks about. In verse 18, he talks to wives. Don't forget, again, this is in the context of Colossians chapter 3. The verse right before this, verse 17, says, Whatever you do, we'll talk about that in a second, in word or deed, whatever you do, whatever you say, whatever you do, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God for the Father through him. And so it's a little odd, humanly, whatever you do, give thanks, and then, oh, wives, you do this. Well, again, it has to do with doing everything for God. So wives, husbands, children, fathers, bondservants, and masters. And then it basically gives an action word. And it, honestly, folks, and I, I've thought about this, I prayed about this a lot this week, talking with you about that, it's very easy to stop at one of the relationships that we have and go, hey, wait a minute. Like, that's not really fair. But I think if we look at this in a context of where the whole thing is talking about our relationship with Jesus, it makes a whole lot, a whole lot more sense. And so I'm going to go through these, and then we'll come back and we'll emphasize that, that big picture thing again, okay? So, so here, number one, again, by the magic of Microsoft, just a box, the idea of verse 18, wives submit to your own husbands, and then it says this, as is fitting in the Lord. As is fitting in the Lord, as is our duty, our obligation before the Lord. So again, even that first one, it's really important for us to understand that is in a context of our service, of our relationship with Christ. So, submit. I know that there's a lot of... Uh, you know, a, a lot of ink today, a lot, a lot, and I'm like, oh my goodness, you know, this, this is sexist or whatever, but really that's not, and I know you know this, that's not the idea in the biblical text. The word submit basically is this, the part that's underlined on the TV screen, it says this, it's a personal willingness 
to, to follow God-established rules in relationships. So if we look at the idea of submitting, then that makes a lot of sense. It's, it's a willingness that, okay, God, yes, I'll submit to your roles, your relationships in my life. In fact, notice the first little bullet point in the box. It says, see John 6, 38, and then 1 Corinthians 15, 28. Let me, let me just take a second and read those to you. Talking about even Christ, listen to me, even Christ was submissive to his heavenly Father. John 6, John 6, 38 says this, For I have come down, Jesus is talking, For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Even Jesus, God of the universe, the Bible talks about that Jesus was involved in the creation of the world. God, the Son of God. He came down and he said, my job, my role here in life, my relationship here in life, is to do the will of the Father who sent me. Even Christ was submissive. So let's not, folks, let's not get all hung up on what Christ tells us to do or not to do. Then, 1 Corinthians 15, 28 says this, Now when all things are made subject to him, then the Son, capital S, the Son himself, will also be subject to him, capital H, to God the Father, who put all things under him, that God may be all in all. In other words, even Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came and was willing to be submissive to his heavenly Father. Here's another thing about submission in Scripture. Look quickly at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 21. The Scripture also teaches that we're to be, in, in the local church, submissive to one another. So it's not just a, uh, in a marriage relationship that all of us have a responsibility to submit and be submitting one to another. In, and, and again, notice that. In the fear of God, that God did this. And then one other thing I want you to notice that's right here in this passage about submission. And then it goes through this. Okay, again, Todd talked with us about that, and we're talking about the church in Colossae, and uh, the relationships were there. And one of the things that I'll highlight in just a second was that in the culture of Colossae, in the culture, there were slaves. Now, we, we, we are living in 21st century America. This week in the news, right, there was a statue taken down from Confederacy. That, that, the whole racism thing. The, the, a racist um, institution of slavery like what happened in the United States of America is not what happened in Colossae. You understand that, right? The slaves in the New Testament was not one race keeping their thumb, keeping the pressure on a different race or a different ethnic group of people. It was not that at all. There were people that were actually slaves, or in this case, bond servants that were willing to be slaves. That was just this. It wasn't a race of people. It wasn't a discrimination. It wasn't that. There was actually, uh, in their culture, uh, slaves of people that would move in with a family that would move and they would become basically full-time employees often would live there and that became a part of culture it wasn't this racial discrimination thing it wasn't that so in that context verse chapter 4 verse 1 says this masters don't forget you also have a master in heaven in other words, don't get all cocky about this. Don't get all, 
you know, individual, don't get all selfish about this. You too live under authority and accountability, and we'll talk more about that in just a minute. The second level of relationships in this passage is to husbands. Verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Now, if you look on my box that appeared, uh, uh, a key passage, because it is a parallel passage, is in Ephesians 5 where it says, Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And that gives us an indication of what kind of love we're talking about. Husbands, if you're here, this is not this romantic, I love you, I'm, you know, I, it's, not the, it's not the movies, you know, stars come out, birds sing. You know, it's not, it's not that. This is agape love. It's the love that sent Jesus Christ to the cross. Humanly, it is a choice not this I've fallen in love. It's not this uh, romantic or even sexual kind of love at all. It's not that. It is this agape. It is a continuous action, which means keep on loving. It's keep on doing that. It's self-sacrificial. It's willing. It's a, it's a choice. And husbands are told to love that way, like Ephesians says. Christ loved the church. And he gave himself. He gave his, himself. He went to the cross. What kind of, uh, I mean, amazing love is that, that Jesus Christ went to the cross. It, it, there's an interesting phrase that's here that I've often wondered about in this passage. And be, and be not bitter. Have you ever noticed that uh, there are things in life that irritate? You know, like uh, squeezing the toothpaste from the... I don't even know, from the bottom of the tube and instead of from the middle or sleeping with the ceiling fan on or not having the window open. Isn't it, what my, it's funny, it's often how in life there are little things that can breed bitterness and turn into big things unless we handle them. And I think it's in an interesting, I mean, in, in the verse where it talks about husbands loving your wives as Christ loved the church and continual love and that willing love. And it says, and don't be bitter. Don't let little things rule. That love is big. Love transcends all of that. That agape love that sent Jesus to the cross. One more. I need to do this quicker so we can get on to the rest of it. It says, children, obey. I think, I used to, Christy and Todd are in the room. And uh, I'm going to Travis's house this week, so I'll see all three of my children this week. And I, I kind of used to kid about it, but I think maybe, um, maybe this is true. I think maybe it is, that this was the first verse we had our children memorize when they were little. You know, verse 20, children, obey your parents in all things. That makes a lot of sense to me. All things. And it doesn't give you an excuse. I'm talking to Christy and Todd. You know, when you grow up and get old, it, it, you know, in all things, children obey. And what it means to is to listen to, to look up to. And I'm really thankful in my family. I mean, I'm bigger than all my children. So legally, you know, and physically, that makes a lot of sense. But to, to heed. And then it says, in all things, and I love that. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. Um, and then it says this, because this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So even human relationships, wives, husbands, again, the agape word, the 
submissive part to wives, that even Christ was in submission, the agape, the self-sacrificial love that husbands are to have, children, this is a God thing. That obedience to parents is a God thing, and I love how that is there in the passage. This does, it goes right along with the next one, fathers, verse 21. And, and there is the idea here that it's written to parents. Fathers, verse 21, says, fathers, do not provoke or do not irritate or do not um, discourage your children. And then it says this, lest they become discouraged or lose heart. I don't think in this passage, if you'll look through this passage, and I think this is one of those things that in in parenting, we, and, and I get it, that I don't want to be, Christine Todd again are in the room, my children, my grandchildren, some of my grandchildren are in this building, I get it. I don't want to be that kind of guy that irritates and just picks on, but I don't think that's really the focus here. I think the focus is on lest they lose heart. And that is that we have a responsibility, parents, we do to help our kids grow up so that they go on for God, so that they don't drop out away from God, so that they go on for God, that they don't become discouraged spiritually, and that they'll go on. So, again, all of these things come back to our relationship with Christ. Bond servants. I talked to you about this a little bit already. That bond servants are to obey. These are people, again, it is not racial discrimination. That is not what the Bible's talking about. In this case, it was people who were willing to say, for the rest of my life, I will be your servant. And then it says, okay, willingly, I am willing then to obey. And then it goes on, basically, the next verse, several verses, kind of our our parentheses to this one. And it goes on, if you can read through that again, obey in all things. Again, we're going to come back and talk about that little phrase here in just a minute. Your masters according to the flesh, not just with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God, whatever you do, do it heartily to the Lord, not unto men, and so on. Basically is this, like I put in that box. Don't forget that everything that we do is a reflection of, of our relationship with God, everything that we do. And even servants, in this case, it's a willing servant. So there are some applications to all of us who live under authority, and we all do. Remember, I talked to you about that already, that we all, all of that is a reflection of our relationship with God. And then one last thing, masters, drop down to chapter 4, verse 1. Masters, give your bond servants, again, this is that, that class of people. What is just and fair, knowing again that you uh, have a master in heaven. Even if you're a boss, you have to live under authority. Okay. Now, I've taken a lot of time to go through those relationships. Wives submit, husbands love, children obey, fathers do not discourage, bond servants obey, masters be just and fair. Again, remember the principle. The principle is this human relationships are to be a reflection of our relationship to the Lord. So let me, let me just talk to you about that for a minute and try to make that whole list, which I took a lot of time to explain, let me try to make that incredibly practical for right now today. We live in a culture that um, is very compartmentalized. We do. Um, Christy is here and uh, lives in Germany. One of the things that Christy told me about Germany is that they still, in Germany, they have this state church idea. 
we're literally on your taxes. You can say, I'm a Catholic or I'm a Lutheran. And you can say that legally before the government and never go to church. You don't ever have to, have to go to church because you're in. You can get married and buried, but you don't ever have to go to church. Well, we're kind of almost that way in 21st century America. And I think with in, in a postmodern, post-Christian culture, I think one of the things that you and I, that I have to struggle with, is what I call compartmentalized Christianity. Here's what we do. We say, look at, remember these relationships, that my, my marriage is different, my children are different, my job is different, but it talks about masters, it talks about bond servants, and then what I do on Sunday for God is different. We live in a very compartmentalized culture, we really do that says what I do for God. I'll do that. I'll, I'll carve out. It's like, you know, it's like uh, Outlook on our computers or the old daytimer. If you look at our schedules, if you would honestly take a look at your schedules, and I am talking to me too. Our lives are very compartmentalized. And if you look around, we live in a culture that in one way or another, maybe we're getting more and more like Europe than we think. But we look in our culture, and religion is... Christianity even sometimes is part of our lives. But we've been led to believe that it doesn't have anything to do with the rest of our lives. That Christianity is just something that we do on Sunday. We'll fit it in. We'll, 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 get, we'll give God a little bit of time, you know. And I am not being critical. Folks, you know me. I am not being critical. But it's almost like, you know, and, and I'm, not, I'm not being critical of those that do. But it's almost like, let's... Let's give God a little bit of time and then get that over with so I can do what I want. In fact, I'll go to church on Saturday night. I'll go, I'll go whatever. I'll get it out of the way so that I can do what I want. I think what this passage is teaching us is don't be compartmentalized Christians. Realize that every area of our life, I think that's what this passage is saying, that every area of our lives, and we'll get to why I say that more than just a moment, more, more just than, than, than just coming to church on Sunday, make sure that our relationship to Jesus it impacts our marriages, impacts our children, impacts our job, impacts our employers, impacts our employees, all of that. I think that's the focus of this passage, that our relationship with Jesus impacts everything. Remember how Solomon in Ecclesiastes wrote, there's nothing new under the sun? I'm, I'm going to do this quickly. But there's a, remember the passage in, uh, it's in Exodus chapter 32. It's the passage of the golden calf. Remember that? Remember that story? Moses is actually up in the mountain getting the Ten Commandments from God himself. God inscribed the Ten Commandments on the tablets. Remember what happened back down in the valley? Moses' brother Aaron actually listened to the people and uh, listened to them as they complained about being in the desert. Moses was getting the tablets of God, the Ten Commandments, the law. And Aaron was down, and in Exodus 32, here's this story about how Moses is gone, and Aaron get, takes jewelry from all of these people. In fact, sometimes study that. It's amazing. Like Even Aaron lied about it. He said in one case, he, he melted the gold down and he, bit, he made this golden calf 
And at one point he said, oh, yeah, I melted it down, but the calf just came out. I mean, he even lied about what he was doing. But here in chapter 32 of Exodus, it says this, I, and I told you a little bit about the story. It talks about Aaron. He had, verse 4, 5, and 6, when he had received the gold from their hand, and he fashioned it with an engraving tool, he, he made the calf, the golden calf, the idol. And he said, he made a golden calf, and they said to them, then, then they said, this is, our, this is your God, O Israel, small, lowercase g, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. They just made this gold, they made this calf, and now they're calling it God. So that Aaron saw it, he said, Aaron saw it, he built an altar before it, and then Aaron, and this is really interesting to me, Aaron made a proclamation and said, tomorrow is a feast to the Lord, L-O-R-D, Lord, capital letters, Lord. And then verse 6 says, when they rose early on the next day, then they rose early on the next day, they offered burnt offerings and brought peace offerings. And the people sat down to eat and to drink this banquet, this worship to the Lord, the feast to the Lord. And then the very next phrase in that verse, Exodus 32, 6 says, and they rose up to play. A phrase that indicates, folks, I'm being incredibly serious, sexual debauchery. Even in the Old Testament, the nation of Israel, let's get, let's get the God thing out of the way so we can do what we want. I think as Paul was writing to the Colossian people and by inspiration of God to us, I think he's saying, don't compartmentalize your life where what we do is get God out of the way so that we can do what we want. I think this passage in Colossians 3 is teaching us that our relationship with Jesus Christ permeates, impacts every other relationship in our lives with our husbands, with our wives, with our children, with our employers, with our employees. It permeates every aspect of our life. And so that's what I say. Human relationships are to be a reflection of our relationship to the Lord. I told you about that. All the way through Colossians 3, all the way through the Lord, the Lord, the Lord, God, God, Master, talking about God. Human relationships ought to be a reflection of our relationship with God. It impacts every area. Let's shatter that compartmentalized Christianity thing. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fit in God on Sunday, but the rest of the time I'm going to live for myself. Let's shatter that. And I think that's what Paul is saying to the Colossi readers here. Number two, quickly. We'll do the rest of them quicker, folks. Number two is this. There are biblical principles that apply to all of life's situations. There are biblical principles. Now, my point in this message today is this, and that is our relationship with Christ does impact everything that we do. It impacts everything. So number two is also true, and that is there are biblical principles that apply to all of life situations. Pastor Todd talked with us about that last week. If you were to look back a few verses in chapter 3, Colossians 3, let me, um, let me yeah, verse, verse 16 and 17. Colossians 3, 16 and 17. Clearly, it says, verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell, be at home in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another. A huge priority for the church in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. I love how music is a part of that. Singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord and whatever you do. In word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God to the Father through him. 
It's interesting that in this passage, and I just went through all the relationship part of it, that in this passage, the context of the passage is this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you, be at home in you. In other words, my principle number two, and that is God's word. God has given us his word. It impacts every area of our life. I've talked to you today about um, some of Paul's techniques for writing. And one of those is the over and over and over again thing. Let me show you one of those. In this passage, notice the word all in verse 17. Whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All. I didn't create this. I didn't invent this. All means all. And that's all all means. All. All. Drop down a few verses, verse 22, whatever you do. 2022, bond servants obey in all things. Children, obey your parents in all things. Notice the all. There's another phrase here. Whatever you do, whatever you do, whatever you do. Verse 17 and verse 23. In other words, that means that our relationship with Jesus Christ and the instructions that Paul or that, that, that God has given us from his word, impacts every area of life. Every area of life. Let me, um, let me just give an incredible, incredibly personal illustration this morning, okay? And again, I know my, I have two children in my room, here in this room, that both of them could stand up at this moment and tell you if this is true or not. I'm just going to give you a very personal illustration. Years ago, in fact, all the way back when I was a youth pastor, when I first started in my ministry, um, actually, I'll, I'll just tell you the background about the story. I was having my uh, personal devotions, and I was reading through 1 Thessalonians. And I came to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. If you've ever read that, there are several... In 1 Thessalonians 5, verses there are what I call shotgun verses. Like, pray without ceasing. Boom. <laughs> Do, you know, uh, prove all things. Boom. Paul's just giving one thing after another. Just boom, shotgun, boom, shotgun, boom, shotgun. And it hit me that there were several things that Paul said that God said to do all the time. All. And so I don't know if this is all that profound. I'm going to give you a tool here in just a second. I forgot the bulletin, but I remembered my notes thing, and I'm going to give you in just a minute. So I, I sat down. I'm kind of being, you know, for Luke and Byron and Emma, I'm kind of kicking into the youth pastor mode here for, for a minute, you know, okay? Because I'm, I'm going to give you a handout here in just a minute. But it hit me that there were things that God said to do all the time. And it hit me that we ought to know what those things are. Of passages in Scripture where God used God uses the word all, or every, or always. And my ministry for a lot of years, all of my ministry has been with teenagers, right? So I'll give you like a dumb, no offense. Uh, I don't mean teenagers are dumb. My illustration's dumb. Illustration that 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 I knew. I mean, I, I'm a dad. It's going to be a Friday night. 
And uh, my kids are going to be out in a car with some of their friends on a Friday night. And their friends are going to say, hey, come on, let's blank, whatever that is. Christy and Todd are laughing because they've heard this story like a bazillion times. Come on, it's a Friday night. They're going to be out in the car with some of their friends. And one of their friends is going to say, hey, come on, let's blank. They grew up in the days long before cell phones. And so before they left the house, every single time, I made sure that my kids had a quarter so that they could stop at a payphone and call me on the phone. Dad, Dad, our friends want to do blank. What should I do? And I just lied to you. I never gave them a quarter. And I didn't, when it got to be, when it got to be cell phone days, I didn't pre, you know, put in the top of their favorites, call Dad, because I knew that my kids aren't going to call Dad and ask, what's, Dad, what is your opinion about what I should do? That I knew as a dad, as a youth pastor, I knew that the most important thing is that they could put God's word into their minds. In fact, that's why Psalm 119 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart, that I might not sin against thee. And so um, over the years, in fact, um, years ago, Christine, Todd, and Travis put together a little devotional book on the alls or everys of Scripture. And so I'm just going to give you, I'm just going to give you a hand up. It's not that big a deal, but here is a list of some of the ones in the New Testament where God uses the word all or every or, or always. They're just going, they're just going through. This is just, this is just a chart. It has, the, it has the reference. It has the verse typed out. These are, uh, New King James because of the copyright. And then it just has an application question. And I'm not going to hammer away at these anymore other than to say what's on the, the TV screens behind me. And that is this, that there are biblical principles that apply to all of life's situations. And I think that's what the Apostle Paul wants us to understand from Colossians 3, 18 through 4, 1. And that is this, God's word applies all. Children, obey your parents in all things. Servants, whatever you do, do all to God. Hardly whatever you do, that phrase over and over again. I think God wants us to understand. And again, folks, this isn't all that profound. It's just a simple tool that helps us to understand the alls or the everys or the always or the everythings in Scripture. Do all to the glory of God. And look, you know, let every soul be, number one, Subject to the, every soul be subject to the governing authorities. Am I obeying those that are in authority? First Peter 2, uh, submit yourselves to every ordinance, and so on. All, every, or always. Here's the point. And again, I just gave you this tool to help with this. And that is God's word has principles that apply to every area of life. And I'm not just saying that parents, we need to, you know, ramp this up and teach it to our kids. That's not a bad idea. But that for, even for our lives, that God's word applies. And if we would know the alls, the everys, the always of Scripture, we would know what God, how God wants us to live. And that's just a tool that would help us. And in this passage, there's at least five times that that idea, everything that we do, needs to be a reflection of Christ. That's my point for today. Number three. Number three. We should serve the Lord. Number three. With gusto. The King James word, the new King James word is do it heartily there in uh, verse 23. And what that means is with effort and enthusiasm in personal relationships and in day-to-day -day circumstances. 
Let me read it. Bond servants, verse 22. Obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers. It's not doing this for other people. But in sincerity, genuine heart, genuine in our heart for God. And whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Do it with gusto. I, I didn't even know of a stronger word. What I mean by that is heartily. What I mean by that is with effort and enthusiasm. That whatever we do, whatever we do, our relationships, whatever we do, Friday night out in the car with some of our friends, we're doing it for the Lord. Whatever, the, whatever we do this afternoon, whatever we do tomorrow, whatever we do, do it to the Lord with gusto, with effort and enthusiasm because we're doing it for God. And we understand that. When... Peggy and I got married. We lived in, our first ministry was in Michigan. And uh, in fact, all three of our children were born um, either in Ann Arbor or just outside of Ann Arbor. So somehow the, the Michigan maize and blue genetic factor got in our, in our family. Somehow that, that took because all of, in one way or another, all of my children are Michigan fans. But the first time I ever went to a Michigan football game, If you know anything about college football at all, the Michigan Stadium, the big house, is the largest college football stadium in the world. Back then, it was like 107,000 people. Now it's like 115,000 people or whatever at, at U of M Stadium. I'm there the very first time I ever went to Michigan Stadium. I'm there with some people from our church, and we're just packed in. I mean, they give you a little slab. It's like this. And, Right away, you can tell I had a problem, but I'm just packed in, and it's halftime at U of M Stadium in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and if you've ever been to a college game or a pro game, or if you've ever been to the beach, you've seen this happen. I know you've seen it happen, and that is uh, somebody cues all of the pilots at a local airport, and they all take off, and they fly around the stadium with banners at halftime of Michigan, right? The little planes, they fly around with banners. You know, like it's an election year. Vote for Schwartz. You know, no one knows who he is or what he's running for, but we better vote for Schwartz. Or another airplane flies by, eat at Joe's or whatever. You know, we're, and it's, these planes are flying around. I'm sitting there with all my friends at University of Michigan Stadium, and a plane circles the stadium over and over and over again, and it said this on the banner behind the little plane. Sue... Will you marry me, Doug? And it flew round and round the stadium, okay? 107,000 people at the stadium, standing room only crowd. It's sold out, I don't know how many consecutive games in a row. And it actually, halftime was almost over. And I'm not kidding you, the plane was leaving. Sue, will you marry me, Doug? And all of a sudden, a lady right behind me starts to scream. <laughs> Sue and Doug, 107,000 people, and they're right behind me. I've thought about that a lot since. In fact, Christy and I were talking about that story this week. Sue, will you marry me, Doug? It flew around several times, and she didn't see it. <laughs> and the plane was actually leaving. And she didn't see it. I think Doug had to poke her. And I, I thought about that. Somehow that figures. Uh, he went to all that work and she wasn't even going to pay attention. But finally, 
She pokes him. She's screaming. It's all these people. The teams are back out on the stage. She's screaming. And right there, Doug, whoever these guys, I mean, whoever these people are, Doug gets out in the hall, in the, in the aisle, and all along, he had to rock. He had to ring. I mean, all along, he gets that out, and he gets, you know, he gets down, and, you know, in one knee, and he gives her the ring, you know, and they, they kiss, they embrace, and, you know, and they're, it's like everybody's clapping for him. And then all of a sudden, it's really kind of, kind of cute, because everybody in the whole section said, well, and then finally she said yes, she screams out yes, and, you know, Sue, will you marry me, Doug? My point about my story is that uh, what motivated Doug to action was his love for Sue, right? He was willing to do something with effort, rent a plane, make a sign, poker, get the ring in the all of that kind of stuff. He was willing to do something with effort and enthusiasm because of his love for his new fiance. Number three is we should serve the Lord with gusto, with effort and enthusiasm in personal relationships and in every, all, always, day-to-day -day circumstances. Because what we do for God, what we do for the Lord, what we do for Jesus Christ matters. And it matters for everything we do. Every relationship, every circumstance, everything we do, it, it matters. And I think that's the point of this passage. What we do in life matters because we're doing it for God. Do it heartily. Do it with gusto. I think that's what Paul, Paul would say. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for this familiar passage. We know it and we've had some real-life applications today. But God, I pray that the point, the message, would permeate, would impact our hearts and our lives like this. God, help us to realize that everything we do matters, and that everything that we do matters with our relationship with your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. When I get up, when I go to work, when I go through life, every relationship, everything, as Paul would say, always. It impacts everything we do. And as we talked about that today and how, how our relationship with Christ impacts relationships, God, I pray that that's true with our marriages. I pray that that's true with our relationships with our children, with our employers, with our employees, with our friends, with all of that. And God, everything, always, in all circumstances, God helps to realize that our relationship with Jesus Christ impacts life and it matters to you, and it matters for eternity. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for what you've taught us today in this very important passage that's right here in the, built into the middle of this book of Colossians on how our relationship with Jesus, with your son, should impact everything that we do. Father, help us to respond by saying, yes, I'll be your servant. I'll serve you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Pastor Todd. Thank you, Dad, for that. Thanks, everyone, for being here.